And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Mark Robinette. And Mark, it's an honor to have you on with us today. What a great pleasure of mine to uh, to be on here today, too. Now, you're a pastor of Foundation Church in Ohio, and you're involved with pastoring people. You're also involved with a great missions opportunity. So tell us a little about yourself today and um, your heart's desire and what God is doing with this missions work, if you would. Oh, I'm so thankful to get to have the opportunity to talk about it. Um, we have a little church uh, called Foundation Church in uh, Mount Sterling, and for many years the church hasn't been able to financially support. Our family have eight children, uh, but once we got to where we could, the first thing I thought of is, let's do missions. And uh, so there weren't really a lot of missions opportunities that really excited me, and I prayed and asked the Lord to help me find a situation that was a fruitful endeavor, uh, you know, for the kingdom. And so I got sent, actually, by my denomination to Myanmar, which I didn't even know where it was before I was told I was going to be going. I had no idea, really, that it was Burma, that it's next to Thailand, and that it's in the heart of Southeast Asia. So when I went there, I was utterly shocked by what I saw. I saw... A, a house that was pretty dilapidated and pretty run down. I saw about 40 people living in it uh, and cooking on a fire in their backyard to feed everyone, running a Bible school, uh, an orphanage. All of this stuff was going out of this, this place where they had virtually nothing, no furniture, no resources, hardly any food. Yet they were producing uh, Bible school students, and they were teaching uh, these abandoned children uh, about Christ. And the the people I met seemed like they were coming out of the best school and and out of a great situation. But as I looked around, I thought, this can't really be real. This this how could this happen? You know, it is quite a long story. But the the long story short of what happened when I went there at first. It was so overwhelming emotionally because it's expensive to get there, and I'm not a man of great means, and so I thought to myself, I could never even come back, much less bring money back to help these people. Mm. So I had this same feeling about fatherless children in America a year, a few years ago, and I was overwhelmed that there was such a great need, and we wanted to adopt, and God uh, made way for us to adopt a child, and the, the idea was we can't save them all but we could save one. Oh, so true. And and so I said, you know, I can't solve all of the problem, but I could do something. And so I just determined, I'm like, Lord, with your help, I don't even know how I can make it back to this country. But um, but Lord, if you help me, I'll, I'll tell everyone I can about what you're doing there. And since then, it's been, this will, it's coming up on seven years, and we've raised about a half a million dollars. We've built churches. Uh, we built an entire ministry complex in Yangon, have gotten them vehicles, phones, changed their life and their ministry. My theme behind it all, they have been doing so much with so little, and we seem to do so little with so much. Maybe we could just give them a little of what we have, Mm. and maybe they could just do more. This is fascinating. Uh, God takes you 
um, you don't have many means yourself. You've got many children. Uh, most people would say, well, just stay put. You know, you've you got enough to take care of. You, your hands are full and uh, you don't have much money. And yet God, God sends you on this missions trip and uh, you're, you're working in Myanmar. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like God loves, you know, fatherless children and, and, and provides for them and, and gives me the means to do it in my own home, we've adopted two children now. Um, I understand these are his children and in Myanmar. And when I saw them, at first I was emotionally sort of overwhelmed because I was feeling the burden. But what I found out, it was a blessing. So God has used us as a conduit for him to touch them. And so I get the I get the benefit of going there and seeing their beautiful faces and getting to know the students. And they all think that, you know, I am the the bearer of all these great gifts. And I keep telling them, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's your kind brothers and sisters back home in America Amen. who have heard about you. And so here I am. Uh, none of the th- I couldn't even afford to come back to visit you, I tell them. But your good brothers and sisters who love you and who pray for you have sacrificially given, and it touches their hearts so much. Oh, that's beautiful. I was going to ask you, um, this is such a huge undertaking. It's important to have your wife behind it. How did it work in your home? Um, did God kind of direct both your hearts towards this ministry? Absolutely. My wife um, really prods me daily. She has really fallen in love with these folks. She is actually uh, chronically ill, uh, and you know, doing without me is quite a sacrifice. And she, when she heard about them, and they have since we have brought uh, people from there to our home. She loves them like brothers and sisters, and to her, it's really like her brother is over there. Mm. And we can't just abandon him and let him deal with all of these children and students that are there. And, and so we have taken it on, really, just like it's my brother who's there. Because guess what? He is. Yes, yes. And uh, he's been in our home, Pastor Nang Tong, and held our children. And what's funny is I didn't really see him as a you know, as a guy who loves little children, I mean, I know he does, he has the orphanage, but he's always so busy interpreting for me and, you know, directing our medical team and all this stuff. And he's working. I never see him holding children and that kind of thing. But when he's here, he's taking a break really from the work he does there. And he's holding babies and loving on them and talking to them and reading to them and he's such a gentle, sweet man, and he's really become such a close friend. Uh, he may be my closest friend mm. that I've had in, in many years, and I really didn't expect to be able to have something like that. And so God just keeps giving me more gifts uh, in this work. It's unusual in many ways, but it, it's usual for God to take a willing vessel and just put him into a place to do a work for him. I'm looking on the map here, and... I see Vietnam, to the west of that is Cambodia, to the west of that is Thailand, and to the north is Laos, and then to the northwest is uh, Myanmar uh, or, right. or Burma. And this is, uh, this is an area, certainly uh, the United States was involved in the Vietnam War, a rather disastrous uh, war. Um, what is the country of Myanmar like, and what language do they speak? The main language that is spoken is Burmese. That's why they call the country uh, Burma. Yeah. 
but Bur- Burmese is actually a people group within the country of Myanmar. Mm. Um, they, there are about 60 million people there. Uh, 94% of them are Buddhist. Mm. And they have been ruled by a military junta basically since after World War II, which they have a complicated history. But they have been very much like a country like North Korea, where proclaiming the gospel and and, and missionary work has been dealt with with a very hard hand, uh-huh. uh, people being killed, uh, the government having zero tolerance, that kind of stuff. And so it's only recently that the country opened up and the Internet really helped bring that about. Oh, that's fascinating, yes. And so um, was it hard to get into the country uh, because of being ruled by the military, or, or could you get in? Okay. Well, at first, honestly, it was such a dangerous time when I went. Um, I wasn't even sure I would come back home alive. Mm. Um, and, and I was willing to go because my denomination asked me, and I had been praying for God to open up the opportunity, and I, I do that kind of thing where, you know, if this is what God wants me to do, you know, he'll, he'll protect me. And so I went. Right. And I, the, I actually ended up being alone. The people that were traveling with me couldn't go, and I landed there alone, never having met anyone or talked to anybody, oh. and it was very scary. Um, I had just watched some videos, which you can watch on YouTube, that show the violence in the country and people being killed for their faith, and so I was terrified. The good news is, is that since I've been working there, they've had an election, and uh, we've had our president visit there twice, and no one, no president has visited that country. Wow. Uh, and, and yeah, and so they have shifted from their dependence on China, who has been exploiting them and their resources, and they've desired to have strategic uh, business partnerships with Japan and the United States. And so as a result, we, we imposed upon them, even when our government was less friendly to Christianity than it is now, uh, we imposed upon them that if they're we're going to do business with them, they're not going to be imprisoning and killing Christians. Yes, uh, and they they have uh, they've agreed to do it, and so they have changed their attitude, and it's created an open environment for missionary work. So I would encourage mm. people to to know that the door's open there now for sure, and it is safe. It's wonderful. Tell us more about this orphanage. Uh, it's pronounced. Rakhine, as you told me before we got on on the air. There's actually two of them. There's a there's an orphanage in Rakhine, and there's one in Yangon. Yangon is the capital city. Mm. Um, the one in Rakhine, in particular, is right on the far west coast, on the Bay of Bengal. It's in a beautiful location. Uh, it, there's white sand beaches and mountains, uh, but the poverty there is so extraordinary that someone from America would really not be able to comprehend it. Um, people starve to death there. Um, and they don't starve to death for lack of food. The whole country is a, a big basket of food, really, but the government owns everything, and you know the, the money doesn't make it to them, the food doesn't make it to the people. And um, in, in Rakhine, um, I'll give you an example of the poverty, if, if, this, if this little example helps you. I went there, and... I didn't know. I've been teaching for three days, and I didn't know I was like 150 yards from a beach. I was in this house, and I didn't realize how far on the coast we were. And I just was kind of getting some air, and I walked, and I saw this beach that in America would be a resort. Yeah. Gorgeous. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? (laughs) And so we're out there, and I'm like, well, why, why 
why is there nobody swimming? Mm-hmm. You know, why why is there, you know, and the, the the statement that they said right at that time, which I didn't understand, he says, well, if they swim, they would starve. Wow. And it really hit me hard. You know, there there aren't like little shops where you can buy beach chairs and, you know, there's not little restaurants and there's nothing like that. No. The people don't have time for leisure. That's right. And so they don't, you know, I'm sure there are people that swim there, but they were explaining to us that, that this is not like America where wherever you have a beach, you're going to have a, a lot of leisure. There was. Yes, yes. You know, so that was kind of a rude awakening for me. And I even uh, got excited. We had worked for several days, and me being the, you know, kind of spoiled American that I am, I said, well, let's build a fire. And so I wanted to gather up some wood and burn on the beach. And I thought this would be a, a, a wonderful time of recreation. And they were horrified that I would just burn wood just to be burning wood because it's so valuable and important and and it could be used for cooking food. And I was like, wow, I'm I'm really not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) No, no, we have so much here in the States. We take it for granted. Um, But in terms of spare time and, and time for vacations and all of that, some people don't understand how it takes a lot of work when you have so very little in order to just uh, survive. Yes, when I went to visit the orphanage for the first time, uh, I cried when I saw the conditions. And Mm. not because someone had, you know, let it be that way because they didn't care for the children, but because they just didn't have the resources. There was a hole in the ground that they had dug for a well uh, that had nothing around it. And so, you know, they have the rainy season there. And the, the the water runs right off the ground down into their well, so the surface water contaminates it. And in order to get water, they had to have a rope and a bucket, and they had to throw it, but it was actually um, dangerous. You could actually fall down in the well. Yeah. And there are little children here, and I saw this, and I'm like, this cannot be, this, you know. And so we built a concrete pad, and we built up sides, and we made it look like the kind of well, you know, you might imagine, like a wishing well kind of a thing. That's great, because it's consistent with the admonitions from even Old Testament Scripture, where you build a parapet around the roof so that you protect. It's a way of showing love to neighbor. Right. Oh, that's And great. so we actually made a video called, It Is Well With The Well. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We we have a YouTube channel where we have tons of videos about the work that we do there that shows our medical teams and teams of young people that come. Um, if you're at YouTube and you forward slash Pastor Mark, R-O-B, Pastor Mark Rob, there's just dozens and dozens, thousands of people have watched the videos. Wonderful. They're, they're, they're very informative, and you can see the work that we're doing. You can see buildings being built the well being fixed, you know, us with the orphans at the orphanages and stuff like that. Now, as you um, work so diligently in this orphanage and the teaching that the kids ultimately get, tell us a little bit about how important it is to train children in godly ways to protect future culture. That's that's a great, uh, a great point, and I'm sure we're in agreement on this. Um, the future of the gospel and the spread of the kingdom work in in Myanmar is going to come through these children. Here they have been um, not not abandoned maybe in the way that you might think, but abandoned literally by parents who are so desperate, who they're afraid their children are going to starve to death. 
and some of them, their parents have just died of malaria, and there's no one to raise them. But these children, uh, often from Buddhist families, uh, find themselves in this situation, and they're 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 taught Christ and love, and they're seeing a, a whole different way of life. And as they grow up, you know, and this has been they've been doing this for a number of years. So some of these children were little babies when they first came, and it's been going on long enough to where they're fully grown and already enrolled in the Bible college that Pastor Nang runs there in Yangon. So it's a it starts when there are children raising them up, you know, in the morning, when they when they rise up, when they lie down, when they walk by the way, getting to spend time in ministry and in work and, and seeing the other orphans come in uh, who are in need and being able to play a role in their lives. They're able to you know, learn hands-on and learn uh, from Christian teachers. There, there was a young girl who came and, and who had, she came to know Christ, and this may be the, the, the name of my book that I write about this one day. She said, I came to know Christ in deepest way. Mm. And, and, and she asked me if I understood what that meant. She said, in, your, in our country, some of the, there are Christians who say they are Christians, but it is only Christian in name. But some of us come to know Christ in deepest way. And she mm. asked if I knew what I meant. I said, yeah, I think I know. <laughs> but, but, but she came, and, and for five years she worked without getting one dollar of pay, volunteered mm. to get up every morning at five in the morning with these children and begin teaching them God's Word and feeding them and living with them. And she was so thrilled to get to, to show the Lord her gratitude for saving her and for uh, giving her a place in the kingdom, and and when I when I find that in a person, I'm I'm thinking, what if America had Christians who were willing to live like that? Amen. And and so I realize there's treasure in Myanmar for yeah. us. Oh yes, and I'm struck by another idea that um, the seeming randomness of of God plopping you there, as it were, in formerly called Burma to minister to this dear people. Um, you know, why Why that? You know, we wouldn't have ordinarily chosen that in and of ourselves, but providentially God directs you there, and there's purpose in it. Uh, it's just profound the way the Lord works this well, way. I'll, I'll tell you something I actually just learned that is, is amazing. I, I just began to understand a little bit about God's providence in my coming to this country. Like I mm-hmm. told you, earlier, I didn't even know where it was. When wow. someone said, uh, Myanmar, I had no idea where that was. Um, but when I was an eight-year-old boy, uh, my pastor uh, at the time was very, very charitable in mission work and challenged our church to give a very large money to missions and prayed that the Lord would bless us. We wanted a building at the time. Mm-hmm. And after we gave we gave all the money we had or a big chunk of the money we had saved for a building uh, to mission work, God blessed us with a man who we did not know who came and gave our church 57 acres <laughs> and paid for our church to be built. He was a very wealthy man. Mm. And we didn't, we didn't know who this guy was, and he came out of nowhere. And this, <laughs> this has been part of my story through my life, you know, I want to be able to one day do like my pastor did and give the missions. Mm. And so now I'm a pastor, I'm grown, I have my congregation, and so I'm kind of wanting to follow in his footsteps. And he ended up later, as an older man, going to work in missions. And all I knew as a boy is that he went to Asia, but I don't know where he went. Uh 
I never I never looked it up. I never uh, studied where did he go. Asia just seemed like a big place, like China. And I found out this year that one of his favorite places to go, of all places, can you guess where it is? Probably me. Burma. Burma. Yes. <laughs> and and not only is it, was he there, he is known, in, in the places I go, he is known as a legendary gospel worker in that country. That's wonderful. And I had no clue. I haven't even made it back to be able to interview these people about my former pastor, but... His converts are still there, and I'm going to get to meet with them when I go back. And I never even knew that there was any connection to my life to this country before this. So to me, it's a, it's a picture of God's beautiful providence. It's easy for an American to hear this and say, well, it's just another missions work. But uh, these people are just as important as um, your neighbor down the street here in America to God. Amen. Um, tell us more about the the work, the orphanage. If someone would like to read more, possibly give to this work, how could they do that? We formed an organization, which is uh, it is managed by our church. It's not separate. It's not a parachurch ministry. It's right from our church, but it's called Mission to Myanmar, and it's all spelled out: mission and then t o to Myanmar dot com. And uh, we also have a Facebook page as well, and, and we interact with people through social media that way. But it all goes through Foundation Church. Mm. So it's, you know, it is financially managed that way. Everything's tax deductible because it is a ministry of our church and not a separate entity. Right. It's, it's governed by elders and an advisory board Good. from ministers within our denomination and even outside our denomination as well. Mm. Um. You know, what we're actually wanting is for a lot of people to give a little bit. We would, we'd love some big gifts, but what we would love to have is partners who are interested in getting to know the people there, to learn about their needs, to communicate with them, to pray for them, to send them letters. Um, we had a thing we did that initially started this where people would give us small gifts, $20 or $50 or whatever it was, and when I would go there, I would take my phone, and when I would find a need, like let's say someone needed a bicycle that might change their life, it may give them a way to earn money and, and provide for themselves, Yes, I would film me buying it and them saying thank you to the people that gave the money. Oh, that's neat, yeah. And I would send it to them, I would post it on Facebook, and people really seemed to love to do that. Mm. Um, you know, growing up, I, I'd watched the late-night shows of the people you know, wanting to give money to the people over who were starving in Africa. And I always wondered, would the money ever make it there? Yeah. And, and now, you know what I know? Every bit of the money makes it there, and I make sure that it does. That's wonderful. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. We've got maybe uh, a minute or so left. Um, tell us just a little more about your family and how you and your wife managed with, with all these kids. You know, the Tennessee today is for... Um, people to say, oh, that's too many children. I disagree with that strongly, but tell us a little bit about your life with all these kids in the next minute or so. Well, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, you know, so are our children, and yeah. I am so thankful for my children. I have my oldest is 20, my youngest is 3. I brought my oldest son with me on my second trip, and since then, 
my second son has been with me three times. My daughter has been with me twice. And all four of my oldest children will be with me again in January. Um, they, they're they raising their own money. They want to be there. They've developed a relationship with them. And this is another great gift God gave me, a way to give my children context in the world that we live. They, you know, growing up, people might say, oh, eat your food. People are starving over in, you know, in Africa. My children go on a regular basis, and they say to me, well, it's not like it is in Myanmar. God has blessed us. We oh, yeah. We don't have difficulties. We're not suffering. We're not... We'll never be poor like that. And uh, their hearts uh, are touched by this. And I know that there are a lot of ministers who have sent their children with me to go over there and see this firsthand. This is not the kind of place we do normal missions-type trips where we're trying to get big groups. Right. Um, because it's kind of, it's very, very hard, very grueling. But my children love it, and they suffer in the back of a pickup truck and dirt and mud and motion sickness, and they love these people, and I love being with them, and I'm so glad to have this discipleship opportunity. It's what I prayed would happen uh, with them. And so, yeah, my kids are, are wonderful. Every one of them are excited about it. They're friends with the people over there, and, uh, and that's what I hoped would happen, and it did. Uh, it's beautiful. Today we've been talking with Pastor Mark Robinette. He pastors Foundation Church in Mount Sterling, Ohio, and him and his family very involved with the Rakhin Orphanage in Myanmar. And if you'd like to support that, the website is missiontomyanmar.com. Myanmar is spelled M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. And so we would urge you to support that excellent ministry. Uh, Pastor Mark, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it, and I'm very encouraged by our talk. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.